If you don't know how to do something, or can't figure something out, or want to get better at it, you ask for help. If you don't, you should. People in the early days of volleyball in Alberta knew they needed to reach out internationally to build the sport locally. We'll find out who in the global volleyball community stepped up, lent their time and expertise, and even offered opportunities to Albertan teams, coaches, and officials. That's on this, the final episode of Voices of Alberta Volleyball, a 10-part podcast series exploring how volleyball grew to become a popular sport, who contributed to its success, and the challenges overcome along the way. To tell this story, we're hearing from local pioneers in the sport, people who lived and loved volleyball to its place today, in schools, on beaches, and at sporting events. Episode 10, International Ties. There are 221 countries involved in volleyball worldwide. That's 221 countries who play within the International Volleyball Federation. That's more than soccer and basketball. And that's a whole lot of know-how about the sport. So when volleyball got started in Alberta in the 1950s, the folks involved knew enough that they didn't know it all and should reach out to the international volleyball community. It happened in a variety of ways and at different times. One of the initial ones was in 1965. That's when the coach of the men's university volleyball team based in Calgary, Bob Bratton, and his partner in crime, his wife Marilyn, decided to play host to two international teams. Anytime they were having an international tour coming across Canada, I'd get a phone call. Uh, can you host it? I'd look to Marilyn and say, can we host it? She'd say, oh yeah. And one of the first ones we did was in 1965, when the Soviet Union and Americans toured across Canada. This was extra to Bob's duties as coach and prof at the university. There wasn't any money available to fund the game. He and the president of the Provincial Volleyball Association, Bob Hansel, decided to take out bank loans in their own names. Now my buddy Bob Hansel and I had to go to the bank to guarantee a loan because we had to put up a couple thousand dollars and both of us didn't have any money. Marilyn said, what are we going to eat on if they don't make it? Well, they made it all right. And so did a massive crowd to watch the USSR and USA go head to head. The gym where they held the game at the University of Calgary had a capacity of 1,500. Now this is just between you and me, but they had 2,200 people crammed in to watch the Soviets take on the Americans. We charged $2, but our approach then was try to sell the sport. Not only that, but Canada made sense because of the political climate of the times. Neither team could visit their own country, so we did it across Canada. And uh, the RCMP coming to me and saying, did you notice anything? And they said, so-and-so was really a spy for the Russians. You know, <laughs> we didn't know. I know when we fed them here, they were hungry as hell. And Maryland would feed all the big shots in our house. Some of them would stay with us. We had a great big steak dinner for them, and we, they ate steaks like you couldn't believe. This game motivated Bob to take his team across the pond. I had a few players on my team who were international capable players. Uh, 
uh, one time at practice I said, hey, you guys want to make the Olympic team in 76. You sort of got to get some international experience. Hey coach, were you BSing us? Do you think it's possible? Well, I put my mouth where my foot was and uh, decided to take them off to Europe. It took more than a year to organize and fundraise all the money needed to take the trip, but they did it. It was the very first time a varsity team from Canada went overseas. The year was 1966. So we started off in France, then moved to Germany, and then moved to Holland, and then came home. It took a month. Halfway through, I uh, said, what the hell am I doing over here babysitting other people's kids, and my kids are at home and Marilyn's looking after it. Now, I think you've got to give Marilyn all the accolades that you can because she put up with this idiot that was willing to sacrifice his family to get these kids on the Olympic team. We had two players that made the Olympic team. One ripped his knee, or he would have been on the team. Uh, one uh, was the last cut from the team. So we had guys that could be international players. After that, Japan got in touch with Bob. So we had an invitation to be the first university team to be invited to Japan. But that time I said, I am taking my family. And we went and had a great time. It was a phenomenal experience for us. That wasn't the only time Japan helped Canadians build their volleyball skills. Several Japanese coaches and players came to Alberta to coach at the Jasper Volleyball Camp starting in the 1970s. The founder of the camp, Hugh Hoyles, remembers. Uh, the majority of them were from junior and senior high schools in Japan, so they were great teachers. Hugh Hoyles uh, brought in a technical coach from Japan. That's Cora Auerkirk, the coach of the Red Deer College Volleyball Queens for several years. Like he gave us updated techniques and everything else. I thought they were uh, much more appropriate for our girls' teams than some of the things that were in existence at that particular time in Alberta. We introduced those kind of things to our team, and so I really liked the Japan approach for the way I could coach my girls. Core didn't want the learning to end there. So I contacted the Japan Volleyball Association, this fellow from Hokkaido. He responded, and that's how it all started. First thing we knew, we were in Japan for three weeks the very first year. He ended up taking the Red Deer Queens team to northern Japan in 1985, and that was merely the beginning. Over the years, Core would take the volleyball squad four times. And it just continued from there, and it's still going, even though I'm retired. They're still the, uh, the relationship is still there between Hokkaido College and Red Deer College. With the special connection established between Alberta and Japan, a coach from that Asian country came to the attention of the Canadian Volleyball Association. His name was Ken Maeda, and he got hired as Canada's men's volleyball head coach. That's when the national team was based in Calgary. This made it possible for Ken to lend his know-how to others involved in volleyball around Alberta including Howie Rasmussen, who was coaching at the University of Lethbridge at the time. It was after the Los Angeles Olympics, it was 1984. We were having our summer camp, and I uh, just called up the national team coach, Ken Maeda. He was just about ready to go back to Japan because his job was over. And he came down as a guest instructor for the day at the Lethbridge, University of Lethbridge summer camp. Just wowed all the kids. Mm -hmm. 
and also mentored Albertan Brian Watson, who was the assistant coach for the men's national team. And when Ken went back to Japan, Brian became the head coach in the 1980s. He led the national team to qualify for the 1992 Barcelona Olympics. It wasn't only players and coaches that benefited from the Japanese connection, it helped referees too. One thing I liked about the Japanese is when I, even though I am Japanese, <laughs> not born in Japan, but born in Canada. Harold Mori, a longtime official in Alberta, who also traveled the world as a referee with both the women's and men's Canadian squads. They sort of, when, you're, when your team is playing or your country's playing, they sort of like to give their edge to your team. But the Japanese, I found, and they, when I came to referee there, they were a little hesitant at first because they didn't know if I was going to make calls to help our team or not. And for me, I like to make calls to be fair to both teams and probably be harder my, on my own team. So I really respected that, that they, they called the game as it should be called. And that's the way I like to see the game called. And that's the type of way I like to have my officials officiate the same way, not being bias, but being, being fair and officiating that way. So I think the Japanese were very strong in that category and I really respect that. And I'll always remember that because when I started, to, when I did get to officiate there, they trusted me and let me referee the matches and felt comfortable with it. And that's the feeling that I had. the sport grew, so did the knowledge Canadians possessed about it. This knowledge became sought after. The career of Lauren Sawula is evidence of that. The things that you always did was to, to help the game improve, to get the game out there to people. That's Lauren, who in the late 1970s was the technical director of Canada's National Volleyball Association and later became the high performance director. Then he went on to coach five different national women's teams, Canada, Switzerland, Australia, Sweden, and Britain. Lorne was appointed to the Coaches Commission of the International Governing Body of Volleyball, the FIVB. He sat on the jury of a number of international level competitions, one in Russia and Mexico, Italy, and Korea. He also assisted in designing the International Coaches Program and the International Administrator's Manual. I got tired, I guess, at the university in doing my PhD and things and reading scientific articles and things that were written in language that were not translatable to what I would call the average people that would be out there that would be doing the job of volleyball. And so in a way, maybe my goal became over the years to translate that into what I call simple, understandable language and so that the average person could actually benefit from what was going on. So in a way, it was paraphrasing the scientific uh, lingo to something that uh, would help the individual that was out there. The skill sharing of volleyball from and to Canadian coaches, players and officials has been key in the growth of the sport, both internationally and locally. It's an international language learned and shared by thousands. Because the big thing about volleyball, basically, it's a very international game. The game of volleyball is played the same in downtown Tokyo or downtown Antwerp in Belgium or downtown Edmonton or Calgary or at the Jasper Volleyball Camp. It's exactly the same.
pioneers of volleyball speaking about how international ties strengthened the sport in Alberta. Just one of the 10 stories being explored on the Voices of Alberta Volleyball podcast. Music featured on this episode was by Little Glass Men. The piece, Modulation of Spirit. The Volleyball History Project is generously supported by the Alberta Historical Resources Foundation and the Alberta Lottery Fund. A special thanks to Joelle Reiniger for getting this project started, conducting the interviews, and compiling the history that this podcast is based on. Thanks for listening to Voices of Alberta Volleyball, presented by the Provincial Sport Association, Volleyball Alberta.